You're just like me. You know nothing. This is Talk and Audio. <laughs> Off we go, episode 1043 of the Talk and Audio podcast, coming to you from our studio, as always, in beautiful, that is completely out of order, the way I should have formed that sentence, we are in our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. Matt over here, Rob over there, what's going on, man? I'm also feeling beautiful. Beautiful. Made beautiful. it a sentence and a half without a mistake. Beautiful, bo- well, come on, man. Yeah. It's Sunday, it is what it is. Easy, like Sunday morning. Yeah. Matt is... Sunday mornings are rarely easy. <laughs> oh, I love a Sunday morning. Yeah. Sunday morning is, Sunday is Rob's day, sort of when he shows up here. It's, yeah. It's his own time. Right. It's me. It's Rob's time. It's Rob time. Rob time. Uh, welcome inside Rob time. What time? Rob time. Whose house? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're on social media at Talk and Audio. Make sure you give us a follow there and uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast wherever you're hearing us right now. Uh, it's been a good week around here, man. Episode 1042, we had the uh, the ladies from She's Got Game on the TSN radio network, both in studio, uh, with lots to talk about, including a brand new professional women's soccer league. Uh, Marie-Philippe Poulain becomes the new Northern Star. Garbage name. Winner. A terrible, terrible name. I guess they just decided after Lou Marsh, you know what? We're not risking it. With any of the rest of you, <laughs> you may turn out to be assholes. Yeah. We're just giving it uh, a terrible fucking name. But uh, Marie-Philippe Poulain is the winner of the, uh, so what is that? Is it first annual or? Second. I think Damien Warner was the first. Under the new name. Yeah. Okay. Under the first non-LM. Okay. Uh, we got pints. Let's have one of those. We, we are uh, into day 11 of sure it's the, not day 10. Uh, yeah, exactly. Of the uh, craft beer holiday calendar uh, presented by the Nita Beer Company. But today's uh, today's pint comes from... Rorschach. Rorschach out of Toronto. This is our buddy, uh, Matty Lang, one of his favorite breweries down there. And uh, this is called Shameless. It is a 7% malt liquor. Yes. <laughs> no, <laughs> no pale ale... No amber, no porter. This is uh, a malt liquor uh, from Rorschach called uh, Shameless. Have you had a pull? What do you think so far? Well, I want you to smell it. Don't drink it yet. Just smell it. Mm-hmm. Does it smell a bit like dog shit on your shoe? <laughs> we did this last week. You were pretty hard on... Uh... Okay. No, it does not smell like dog shit on a shoe. Uh, honestly, I mean, it smells a bit like spring. It smells like spring to me. Okay, uh, you know, we'll get into the greater calendar here in a minute, uh, the calendar at large. On first pull of this, I kind of like it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's malty as it would be. It is malty. Yep. I would agree. A little biscuity. I'm getting a bit of that from it. Um, yeah. It, it, not See, bad, I, I find it a little malty. Yeah. But you're, I find. You're not loving the odor. I find it fairly crisp, right? I don't find it to be, it, it's kind of an easy drink. Yeah. Oh Yeah. Um, especially if you go in expecting a malt liquor, you think this might be a little, uh, a yeah. little heavier duty than, uh. Well, and it's, it's, it's funny because, uh, we used to make a regular yearly trip down to Kalamazoo, Michigan. Right. And the first time I went down there, I found 33 cent Coors in the gas <laughs> station. 33 cents for a can of Coors. Is that right? 
Anyways. You've overpaid. Yeah. Came home with a, well, a two liter bottle of Tiger Stripe malt liquor. Yeah. So this was late October. Got home and I'm like, oh, what's to eat? It was a little leftover turkey from Thanksgiving. <laughs> We're talking two weeks now. Yeah. Plus some Tiger Stripe. I ate it and I felt a little sick. Yep. But I drank the Tiger Stripe and I felt way better. Fix you right up, eh? Tiger Stripe malt liquor, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly, this is, uh, this isn't, this isn't bad. This, it, it's not exactly like something I'm going to go screaming out looking for more of, but it's fine. Yeah. It's you're, fine. You're missing, uh, you're, obviously it's malt liquor. Yeah. I was going to say, you're really missing the sort of. Any kind of hoppy barley, okay, just you're yep, missing beer. The, you're missing the beerness <laughs> of it, right? Exactly, and that that to me, it has a bit of it, right, in terms of that malty flavor. But yeah, you are missing a bit of that. So let's talk about the calendar at large, then. Yep, I've I was unhappy this week, man. There wasn't much that was terrible, but there's been nothing this week that was like. Man, that was really good. I'm yeah, really good. I feel differently. To, yeah. Well, that's often the case here. And I want to start with this weekend in particular. Yeah, do it, Matt. The assignment was present us a beer for our craft beer holiday beer calendar. Beer. The last two days. Beer. Had a nice 3% shandy. Loved it. Today, here's a fucking malt liquor for you. Could I just have a beer? I don't care. A pale ale, a lager, an amber, a red, a stout, a porter. Lots of options out there. Shandies and malt liquors this weekend, man. I, I, and uh, let's go, let's go to the shandy. You loved it. I barely finished it. I, uh, it was damn close to a pour out for me. It, it tasted like spiced juice at 3%. There was nothing beer about it. And it says on it, it's not going to be right. It's a shandy. That's not what I was looking for in my craft beer calendar. But a shandy, it has beer in it. Yeah, well. And so to me, a ginger beer, which is what it really is. Ginger ba- shandy. Yeah. But a, a shandy is with ginger beer. Yeah. Okay. And so to me, it was excellent. It was gingery, like really gingery. I spoke to someone else who also Absolutely did pour it out after two sips. I powered through, but I. Yeah, I liked it. And you know what? I don't want another Vienna lager. I don't want another generic beer that everybody's putting out. You know what? Take your shot. Give me something different. And that's what these two have provided me. spiced juice. It's not juice, man. At 3%, it's juice. Oh, so it's. There was nothing fizzy about it. If it was 5%, you'd be okay with it? No. But you keep bringing up the ABVs. Well, that's part of it, man. Why? What is it? There's no, there's, had no beery carbonation, had no alcohol to it, had no foam to it. There was nothing beer about it. It was, it was a nice break in the day. I liked it. And I, and I'm, I'm happy to see it in the calendar. Okay. Well, we disagree as, uh, as, for most of the rest of the week. Nothing I was what as about unhappy. That stout? Who made that stout that was in there earlier this week? I don't remember. I didn't like it. Yeah, it was only okay. And there was no head to it. Like to me, no. that's, don't give me shit. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, whoever, whoever no, made that. It's all right. We're teeing off so far. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> People are getting it. But I just want something different and something interesting. I have a pile of, of American pails or yeah, I don't need another Marzen. 
But Amara's and I was welcome because it's something slightly different. But yeah, I don't need just another generic New England style IPA. Give me something different. And a matter of fact, Kitchissippi, who did that, I want to go and check out their ginger beer. It's going to make me, it's going to drive me to the store. Kitchissippi is the ones who did the shandy on yep, Saturday. The yeah. gingerbread shandy. Yes. Um, the other one that I would say I, I was disappointed was the Stray Dog Shaggin' Wagon. And mainly because there's nothing really wrong with that beer. I don't mind that beer. It's not a brewery exclusive. You and I have both had that a dozen times before. That is not a. Oh, did it say, did it say it was an exclusive? Every beer in the calendar is supposed to be a brewery exclusive. Oh. That That's the deal. It's stuff that you can't just go to the LCBO and get. You can't go into a pub and get. These are brewery exclusives. Okay. That's half the appeal is that, you know, we'll sell this to you and half the value is that, yeah, you'd have to drive all over the goddamn province to get everything. And there's nothing wrong with the beer. And that's why you're wagon. paying six bucks a can. Right. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with Shaggin' Wagon, but you pull that out and you're expecting something a little more unique or a little more off the beaten trail. That was, to me, a little disappointing. See, I've never had any Stray Dog. Despite it being in Orleans, I've never, that's the, that's the first one I've ever had. I'm not sure I believe that. No, I. I I think we've had the. uh... No, I I don't, I don't believe I have. All right. All right. And it doesn't really matter. I know I've had it outside. The and it was super, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not disputing what yeah, you're yeah. saying. I'm just disputing whether I've had a stray dog and I don't think I have. Uh, there was an IPA that was very good. Yep. I forget who, uh, who made it. And like I said, other than the, the Shandy, there was nothing I didn't like, but there was nothing this week that got me excited either. That made me go, oh man, I'm really glad. Like, like you said, you're paying some money for this thing. Like you do yep. want to be excited a little bit, right? And, yep. and this, this was a rough week for me. Uh, on that front, I thought week one was better yeah. for me. And so I, to, to be clear, I could, I, I enjoyed the Shandy. Yeah. Um, I, again, for its peppery gingerness, it was, it was nice. It was different. I, I could, I couldn't drink more than one of those. Right. Um, but I liked that it was something that I don't normally get. So I appreciate it for that. Right. Right. So yeah, there's all kinds of debate and time for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is. It is a, it is a beer subcategory. Uh, why don't we talk? I want to start here just because I think this is a little interesting and I just want to pick your brain on it as, uh, as Mitch Marner on Saturday night continued his 21 game now point streak, uh, 30 games away from Gretzky's record. (laughs) You getting there, Mitchie? (laughs) Uh, he was drafted fourth overall in 2015. The top five was Connor McDavid, Jack Eichel, Dylan Strom. I'm Strom all the way in case you're going to ask. Mitch Marner and Noah Hannafin at number five. And and the rumor at the time was that Babcock was pushing hard for Noah Hannafin over uh, Mitch Marner. He felt, and not incorrectly, that to build a championship team, you want a stud defender. There was debate over whether Noah Hannafin would be that guy or Mm -hmm. not, but I don't, it wasn't crazy to say that by Babcock. And this was one of those times Leaf fans, myself amongst them, have railed against the drafts that Mark Hunter led. Um, Most of them turned out very well in the first round and brought us almost nothing after that. Let's pretend, because I should also say five through 10, I think six was Pavel Zaka, which hasn't panned out all that well. Who's playing, like, is he playing for the Kings now? Or like he's. He was traded to Boston, I believe, from, oh, uh, from right. New Jersey yeah, yeah, this okay. off season. I, I had seen him somewhere else. But also in that top 10, Miko Rantanen, 
Zach Wierenski, Ivan Provorov. Like it was a very good top 10. Right. I'm going to limit you to the top five. You can't swap in any of those six through 10 guys. Redraft the top five. I think for a long time, while you think about that, the consensus was going into that draft and for quite a while coming out of it, it was McDavid and Eichel and then everybody else. Yep. And I think now it's McDavid and then everybody else. But redraft those top five for me. Yeah, I'm taking McDavid. Yeah. Is that shocking? Yeah. Nope. Crazy. Yeah. All right. So, and I'm probably taking Marner. And, and this was the main question. Yeah. And then I'm probably taking Zach Wierenski. You can't. I told you. Six through ten are oh, off limits. You've oh, got to okay. just Sorry. re-rank All that right. top was, five. Hannafin was five. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm taking Wierenski. Yeah, so it's 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 McDavid, it's Marner, it's Eichel, it's Hannafin, it's Strom. Yeah. It's interesting, and, and the real reason I wanted to do this was, I know you're a little down on Eichel compared to where I am. Although I do got time for the gingers. <laughs> but has Marner done enough? Yeah, that in a redraft, you would take him ahead of Jack Eichel. And, and Eichel's been through some injuries this year, as we sit here on Sunday afternoon. Eichel has 13 goals to Marner's 12. Uh, Marner is at 34 points to Eichel's, I think it's 23. So Eichel, perhaps not surprisingly, better goal scorer at this point and Marner putting up a lot more points, but it's always interesting. I've always leaned center ahead of winger when you, you know, Mm -hmm. do these things. And, And I, you know, you and I disagreed a little bit when they made that trade, Buffalo sending him to Vegas, not necessarily that, that Vegas was wrong to get him, but what he was going to be, how good he was, whether or not, you know, he's a guy who maybe kills your locker room, right? Yep. We, we, for a long time, choked about him being the coach and GM of the Buffalo Sabres. Yep. But yeah, it's, it's interesting at this point, as we sit here six or seven years after the draft and talk about whether Marner has passed him in, uh, yep. in terms of value for whether you would be better off taking I, I still think there's something to the center, right? I, I still yeah, and he's having a really nice rebound season in Vegas. To me, it's to me it's the the intangible of the of the character issue that we we've talked about and debated, and and others come to his defense. You know, teammates like he's a great guy, blah 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 blah. And you're like, yeah, what else are you going to say when he's in your locker room? It's the it's the it's the shit that gets kicked at him when he's gone, right? Um, but it's it's my issue at the beginning was Marner looked like a twelve year old boy. Right. Yeah, he was very so small. slight, yeah. but he's a, he's also a, I think the 200 foot game of Mitch Marner yep. is to me, not just the points and the goal scoring. It's a PK guy. He's a last minute guy. In it's his own it's end. all the, it's the 200 foot game of Marner that really, for me, puts it yeah. past Eichel that, you know, locker room cancer aside, I, I think <laughs> it's uh whether that's true or not. Yeah. Right. And I don't know, Yeah, but. He appears to be a dick. You know, I never see Marner chastising his teammates on the ice like no. I've seen Eichel in the past. Yep. So whether he's a coach killer or he's the GM, yeah, when you look, when you appear to be a dick to your teammates on the ice, I can only imagine how much of a dick you are to them behind closed doors. When the doors. cameras are off, yeah. So coupled with the 200-foot game, I just, I'm taking Mitch Marner over Eichel seven days a week. So let's just throw those other three names in, Provorov, Wierenski and Miko Rantanen. Are they any of those guys ahead of Eichel for you? 
probably not. Yeah. Probably Ranton not. to me would be the closest. I yeah. like Zach Wrenski a lot, but me I too. think he's probably, you know, it gets tough. To me, it's probably still McDavid, Marner, Eichel, and then it gets mushy in there. Yeah, right? see, I'm probably taking Wierenski over Eichel. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah and, and yeah. I'm not sold on that. Yeah. I, I, I just there's an argument to be had there for the number one D. Yeah. Yep. For sure. And for all that he brings. And so to me, I, I like that a lot. I think he's better than Hannafin or Provorov. Yeah. Agreed. So when you're looking at at the D and a top end D, I think I'm leaning towards Zach Wierenski. And none of them are Canadian. So Yeah. <laughs> So they all suffer a little. So exactly. They're all getting a notch back, but, but I do like, I do like if I get to that spot in the draft where I am sort of looking at that in that four through eight spot and you go, okay, my, my McDavid is off the board. A a projected number one D is super attractive. Yep. Uh, True enough. Coming out of last week's winter meetings in, uh, in Major League Baseball, held down in in, yes. in San Diego. Uh, I think there was a lot of expectations about what the Jays may or may not do. One of the main reasons, you know, you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago that they had traded Teoscar Hernandez away was to open up some salary space. They clearly were looking to do some big things. And then early in the, the week, um, you know, Blue Jays management, I believe it was Ross Atkins, came out and said, yeah, the... The tax threshold, it's not a thing. Like, we're not worried about that. We can go over if we have to. And all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, okay, like, let's go. And then uh, apparently they were interested in Justin Verlander, who signed with the Mets, uh, in place of DeGrom, who went down to Texas. I still think Texas is going to suck, but I wish good players would stop signing there because it's making it harder and harder to keep predicting that. Well, the lo- the, the tax-free. Yeah. Yeah, there's that's a long contract too, man. Yep, for a guy who's been hurt a lot. Yikes! Uh, apparently, the Padres made a last minute play to get in with the the Giants and the Yankees on Judge and lost out, so they go out. Those and fuckers are just spending cash. They just, and honestly, in a fairly medium sized market at yeah. best, like yeah. they're just going for it, which I love. Uh, it makes them fun to cheer for, except they kind of keep. Flaming out, uh, but they bring in Xander Bogarts, which is great because it weakens the Red Sox. Yep, that a boy. Big fan of that. Uh, from the AL East to the NL West, you can't get much further away. I'm I'm happy with how that went. But Aaron Judge uh, back to the Yankees. Um, look, we've seen all kinds of names come off the board. Maybe more realistically, Andrew Heaney was a guy that the Jays were supposedly very interested in. He leaves the Dodgers, I believe also for the Rangers, uh, kind of leaves the Jays high and dry there. And by the time they come home, look, it's not necessarily uncommon. I don't want to be alarmist, right? Like right. the Jays come home often without having done much yeah. and make their moves late December and January. But the market is moving faster this year than it normally has. And a lot of these big names that they may have been interested in are gone. And you, you know, there's kind of been some poking fun at them on Twitter. Like they're coming home saying, well, we collected a lot of information. Like, it's great. Yeah. You've collected no players. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because, um, through the week, especially, you know, I, I pitch in, in the day, I pitch my phone away. I'm at work yeah. and I get this, I get this email from Matt <laughs> pops up and I'm like, all right, what's that? And I see the subject line Verlander and I'm like, sweet. Click on it. And it's like, Oh, you thought it might be that he's coming two, to... Two years, 84 million, giddy up. And I'm like... <laughs> oh, right. 
Not the, with us. <laughs> that was it. There was not like I, at that point oh, I had right, no right. idea. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. Did the Jays just sign Justin <laughs> Kate Upton's coming to Toronto? Is this what's going to happen here? Yeah. Oh, no, that's not what happened. No. Yeah. No. Rob was like, oh, I love a, I love a, a rotation that would start with Verlander. See, this is on you. You often criticize me for the length of my emails. I shortened that one right up, man. <laughs> yeah. So short, it, it excluded some key details. Yeah, like, pertinent information. Well, in the giddy up, I'm like, okay. And I'm like. He's excited. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's a lot of money for a 40-year-old, but. That was my point. Yeah. It was giddy up for him. Yeah. The Mets are just out there, man. Uh, they bring back Brendan Nimmo to play center field. Who was going to play center field for Toronto as well. Yeah. Um, and there's that uh, the Japanese pitcher. I forget his name now. They locked Masahiro Tagayachi. No. No. Not even close. But it sounds fun though, right? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jays should go get that guy. Whether he's a baseball player or not, just find a guy. With no, that I think name. we I think our Japanese quotient is maxed out right at the moment. Um gotta bring back Kawasaki. Minamero okay. Kawasaki. Yeah. Kawasaki let the good times roll. Yeah, no, for sure, man. <laughs> nobody nobody liked the post-game interview as much as No, it's true. So look, they're sitting at home with their dick in their hands, having accomplished nothing at this point. Which is always brutal. Right? Had, well, some people enjoy that, Matt. I'm not. I'm yeah, but not, not the part where you've accomplished nothing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how do you know you're taking a break if you weren't doing anything to begin with? Right. Uh, a lot of these guys have have disappeared off the board. We should report that they have signed Kevin Kiermeyer, formerly of the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah. Um, to a contract of. Nondescript this detail. Is, for those of you hockey fans out there, this is the Toronto Maple Leafs signing Brian Leach. Yeah, see, I was going to say this is more like anything Lou Lamorello does in July, where you don't get to know whether how long it is, how expensive it is. Yeah, yeah, I was just saying, yeah. th- is this 94 Brian Leach? Well, no, Kevin Kiermeyer, no. yeah, coming off another half season, he is frequently injured, but he's a left-handed bat, center fielder, and... Yeah. I guess that's what we were looking for. And look, as a guy who's going to replace Jackie Bradley Jr. or Zimmer yeah. or or even like his numbers uh, are better than uh, the guy with the hair that you liked there. Uh, the guy with the hair that I like. Who was just the left-handed bat playing center field sometimes oh, this past no, year. Came from Colorado no. in the Gritchick deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, I can't believe the baby, the funny. baby giraffe, uh, <laughs> had the, had the white. Oh man. You know how many people are screaming at their phone right yeah, now? Yeah. Yeah. And you I do idiot. it all the time. I do it all the time when I listen to the radio too. And I'm like, you, how can you not know that? Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Uh, you all know who we Inside mean. the park grand slam yeah, at Fenway this year. Hey guys, it's Maddie earning my paycheck today. Fuck. It's Tapia, you morons. So that guy. The frequently injured <laughs> Kevin Kiermeyer, even last year in 60 games, cleared his war, right? He's better than anything the Jays had as a fourth outfielder. Yeah. As a guy who can platoon in center field. And people keep bringing up, it's our new, more complicated center field, right? We have, we've made renovations. There's going to be some crazy bounces yeah. instead of this Nooks homogenous. Yeah. Um, Look, as a fourth or fifth outfielder, I guess it's fine, but this was not the replacement for Teoscar Hernandez. And 
at this point in December, it's pretty disappointing to see that that's all that the Blue Jays have done. And if we hear next week when the details finally come out that it's anything more than one year at like $3 million or something, it'll be more than that, but not a whole lot more than that. This will be a mistake. This is, they're trying to get George Springer over into right field more often. And this will help with that, but this isn't the guy. See, did you feel like that Teoscar trade was to clear room for another outfielder? Or did you feel like it was always intended to bring in another arm in the rotation? I wasn't sure what they would do with it, but it was definitely intended to clear money. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. for sure. But yes, I always looked at it as... Yeah, they're either going to make make a Kiermaier-type signing, although I, I certainly didn't think it was going to be Kiermaier. Specifically, yeah. Yeah. Um, that kind of signing, uh, a little fill from within, as well as then putting money, allocating more money to a starting wow. pitcher. There was, they were always going to need another outfielder, a starting outfielder. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I think a lot of people thought it might be one of the catchers to St. Louis. Uh, they go out and bring in Wilson Contreras, which means they're no longer. Yeah. And they had a couple of outfield prospects that the Jays were, Sorry, were interested bottle. in. Um, yeah. Like it, your options are just sort of drying up in terms of what you're going to do with in, that. In I, terms of free agencies. Yeah. Free agency. But signings. you also only have so many trade pieces. Like you needed to do something in free agency because you only have so many pieces yeah. to trade and, and a, a catcher you know, might be able to bring you an outfielder. It's not going to bring you a top end pitcher, right? It's not going to bring yeah, you. No, I, I understand. No, I know you do. I'm just, you know, as you kind of talk through what the options here at this point, the one thing I wonder about the T Oscar deal is did they do it too soon? Like whether you liked the trade or not. And I, I was underwhelmed, but if they'd have waited until after the winter meetings, when a lot of these guys got signed up and you saw what the prices were and you saw what free agents were going for, would you have been better off now saying to Seattle or whoever, now we'll make the T Oscar deal that you've seen what premium players are signing for in this market? Because it is insane, the yeah, numbers mo- that are happening. Right money now. is crazy. Yeah. So you may have had this guy under control for one more year. Maybe he's worth more in a trade now than he was three weeks ago. Yeah. Well, and that is, see, that that is the, the deal, right? Is the further it goes, once this first frenzy has gone through... That what's left yeah. will be of more of a bargain value. Yeah, I, I don't, the Jays they're not sitting in a great spot right now, and the off season's not over. There's time, and apparently they got money. Well, Shatkins always. We've how many times have we been on here and said, "Oh my God, they've done nothing." Yeah, no, they've earned the benefit of the doubt. And so to me, that is kind of where I'm at because it was probably three years in a row, not last year, but three years where I'm like, "What are they doing?" There's a lot of sitting on your hands, sitting Their on your checkbook. Their strategy is always go to the winter meetings, figure it out, and then come home and make your calls. This year, everybody else made their calls at the meeting. And so <laughs> yeah. your strategy might be sound, but the market moves faster maybe than they did. And it, it, I think it's left them in a, in a tough spot. I don't think they're worse yet this year than they were last year, but they're not better. You and I will be left fighting over that last doll for my son. <laughs> that, kind of, that kind of thing. The... Uh, we, the the origin story of Festivus. <laughs> yes, we're both reaching for the there same. There has to goal. be a better way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As I rain down blows upon him. Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. <laughs> I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rain blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. <laughs> what happened to the doll? It was destroyed. But out of that 
a new holiday was born. A festivus for the rest of us. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Matt, yeah. for fleshing that out. You got it, man. That's what I'm here for. Yeah, I, I, I think there's still a chance they, they do. And look, the Yankees, they're not as good as they were last year. The start they got off to was insane. Yeah. And then they were they were fine the rest of the way. Like, they were good, but they weren't great. They were flirting with the early 2000 Marners. Boston's Marners. going Marners. the Marners. Fuck, sorry about that. Boston's going the wrong way. Tampa right now appears to be going on the wrong in the wrong direction. And I wonder if what the Jays are doing, and it's not going to be spectacular, like it doesn't look like they're going to land any big fish this time. But I wonder if they're looking around the division and going, you know what, next year, 91, 92 wins might be enough to, to win the division. And I wonder mm-hmm. if Baltimore isn't as much of who you're worried about. They're on the come, right? Oh, I, I think sure last year, a little faster than we expected, but next year, a full season. I don't know. Maybe Baltimore is a team that you're worried about as much as an aging Yankees team that I don't think anyone really believes is as good as their record was last year. I, I don't know. The division's sort of in a weird spot. Well, their World Series championship would disagree with you, Matt. Who? <laughs> the Yankees. They did not win the World Series. <laughs> I, I know. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, well, and they had all kinds of uh, bullpen pitching issues last year too, right in the second half. Yeah, like if if Judge ends up with the Giants, which he didn't, and I there was a report on was a Monday or Tuesday night that John Heyman put out. Well, that and and so when they see and again, I would, whatever I was reading, uh, this was from LSG. He sends me the thing saying Judge signs for three hundred and sixty four million or whatever it was, and it was the exact number that was leaked that the. That the Giants had offered. Yeah. But apparently once the Yankees came through and matched it. Yeah. Because again, I had to say to him, I'm like, who? To who? <laughs> you fucking guys. <laughs> like, what is happening here? People giving me half the information. If you're going to reach out to me. We're toying with your heart. Because <laughs> honestly, I was as excited to see Judge possibly leave, leave the, the ALA yes, as I was for anything the Jays might do. Like. Him leaving the Yankees might have been bigger than any move the Jays could. Well, right, and, and I had no illusions that Judge was coming to Toronto. No, no. But I was still like, again, if he'll head off to the NL West, I'll be where? happy. Where? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. just what is, what's happening here? But if he had left, like the Yankees are a complete non-factor. They're third place in the division next year. Oh, you got to watch out for that Giancarlo. Yeah, and the seventy games he's going to play. Well, and uh, his man, that, that's a guy. Is, has somebody? Has, has anybody's stock fallen further? Right. Yeah. Than that guy. No one. No one. No one is what you're saying. Uh, how about someone whose stock has risen quite a bit? Mr. Tage Thompson, one-time winner of the Thatcher Demko Award. Yeah. For, uh, one of the inaugural winners, yeah, like I think. Yeah, year two or three yeah. uh, for the uh, most Ivy League name at the World Junior yeah, prep Championship. prep school <laughs> name on the U.S. team. And there was a time where he had looked like a bit of a bust in St. Louis, and then he is part of the trade that sends Ryan O'Reilly to the Blues uh, with Tage Thompson coming back with actually uh, Berglund, yeah. Patrick Berglund, who was just like Buffalo or retire. I think I'll just retire. <laughs> Buffalo or I think maybe somewhere in the Swedish right. league. Maybe he's good. And when Tage Thompson came over, he is a bit of a unicorn. Like a 6'8 center is unusual. Who skates right? unbelievable. He really does. But he just, there was something missing. He couldn't quite get it going. And last year, he ends up putting up, I think, around 40. 
Yeah, 38 goals. And you're kind of like, oh, shit. Like, has this guy arrived or is this just one of those things that happened? If you recall, last year scoring was up. We had a Flash bunch pan, of Matt. 50 goal scores. That's what I thought. I'll be that, honest. That's what we both thought. Yeah. And Seven million per year? Yeah. Terrible. Ridiculous. Terrible. Terrible contract. And here he is doing it again this year. And earlier this week, he puts up five goals against the Columbus Blue Jackets. How many Be- times did the cannon go off that night, Matt? <laughs> Before 40 minutes are up. Yeah. And this is the thing I wanted to get into on this. Because obviously, Tage Thompson, it's a hell of a night. Five goals. So we're not happen. debating whether he's good or not. I think at this point, we <laughs> may have to bite the bullet that he's good. And uh, and admit. All right. And he's young still was, too, right? He's not that r- old. R- and r- That I was... R- r- wrong. I can't say I got it. I, can't know. Say I totally get it. I say it all the time. Uh, that I'm wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so look, he's got five goals by the time two periods are done. And in the third period, he plays less than four minutes. And look. Nope. No, I think no PP time either. And you're just pounding the lights out of Columbus. If for those curious, the record for goals in a game is seven. Happened way back in like the 1920s. And I wonder whether you think in this new age of A, sportsmanship, right? We don't want to embarrass anybody, but B, we want to protect our investment. This guy's important to us. You know, maybe Columbus is going to be pissed and start taking runs at people. Or do you put the pedal down and put this guy out for his regular rotation and maybe try and help him get to five goals after two periods? You're inside of this. You got time, right? To maybe try and tie that record. What do you what do you do if you are Don Granado coaching the Buffalo Sabres, other than fire your agent? <laughs> Pour the cock to him. <laughs> like just it, it's pro sports, man. Mm-hmm. And at what point are the Columbus Blue Jackets, does anybody deserve oh, fuck, they're terrible. more of a punch in the low back than those guys? <laughs> and your Johnny Goudreau signing? Nobody. And your good Branson. Yeah, that's the thing. And Congrats on your Goudreau signing. And then you matched it with a good Branson signing. And so you're like, uh, yeah, if you don't like it. And Play it, better. To me, it's competitive slash pro sports. Yeah. You don't like getting scored on? Stop it. And right. it's 2022. Do you think I'm worried that someone's going to go out and... Hit me over the head with a stick like Engvall? Well, that's the thing, though. That's not going to happen, surely, is it? <laughs> so Pierre Engvall gets suspended for a game because of a cross-check to the head. And legit, like, it's a penalty. It's whatever. Did you see Keefe's comment? No. And it was sort of, I think it was meant to be in defense of Engvall, but it was also a pretty hard backhanded. He goes, I think we've all watched this game long enough to know that Pierre Engvall is not playing to hurt anybody. Which is very much, Pierre Engvall doesn't touch anybody. Pierre Engvall doesn't check anybody. Pierre Engvall does yeah. not go in corners. <laughs> yeah. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't the defense that Keith thought it was, I don't think. Yeah. But as we, as we pull it back to, to like, isn't that the point as we talk about Buffalo Columbus, you're saying, if you don't want to, this guy to keep scoring on, you stop him, is the possibility that you're not going to like the way they stop him. You're, you're unhappy that he keeps doing this and someone chops him down or, uh, uh, breaks I think, a hand. Or, and I think a 6'6 six, six guy or 6'7, whatever he is. He can take care of himself. He's just going to be, he's going to be fine. And yeah. the way he was cutting and moving through. Fuck, man. Like. And he's just hammering it. Like there was a 103 mile an hour one time. Well, and, and I'm listening to 
just just the highlights of it. And the the fifth one, ting, like yeah. the, the sound of it going yeah. in off the bar, and you're like, that's that's insulting. But <laughs> but again, man, you are a team. Defend better. Defend better. And I just. Again, and they had a 30-minute closed-door players-only meeting after that that was, you know, in defense of your point that he should have been allowed to go for it, whether that game ends, I think it was 9-4 or 12-4, they're having that meeting either way. <laughs> so you might as well just right. keep. And, and the reality is I, I want a shot at it. Now, apparently he's a pretty low reactor. Yes, yes. And he's like, whatever. But And Donnie Granado, uh, listening to him speak a bunch of times, seems just like a good guy, right? Like a player's coach. I think what I would have done... I think it would have been over the top to start running him out there every other shift trying to push for the record. But I'd have yeah. given him an, I'd have given him his regular yeah. assignment. He, this guy is not a guy who plays four minutes a period. This right. is a guy who plays seven minutes a period. You don't need to put him out of the power play. I get it. If, if that's where you don't want to run, you know, but let him take his regular shift. Yeah. On his regular line and, and run through this. I think, I think it was a bit. Over the top, because we do though hear about, oh, you've run up the score. Like that is a, that is a thing that we still talk about. I, know, I think it's kind of shitty, but this guy's. Which is shitty. I think it's shitty that we're worried about. Yeah. We're paying you millions of dollars to. I want to see it, man. Yeah, yeah. I want to see it. I want to hear the goal I song. I want to hear him, uh, yeah, chase this record down. I, I think it sucks that. I want to hear things like Joe Thornton saying, if I scored four goals in a game, I'm pulling out my cock I'm right in front of everybody. Out. Yeah. <laughs> like whatever, right? You're like, the, buddy's getting paid. You're getting paid. To stop him. Everybody here job. is making good money. Yeah. And if you can't do it and you're hurt, your feelings are hurt. Yeah. Go home, take a look at your bank account. You'll feel all right. You're like, all right, I guess it's okay. <laughs> I don't worry about that NHL record, that poster I've just been put on. <laughs> Yeah, but again, at the end of the day, the Columbus is a is a team that I don't think they thought they were winning the cup. I think they thought they were making strides. Yeah. And that's on you, man. As a pro, get out there, put your big boy pants on and stop them. Cry me a river, man. <laughs> Power play in the third period. Shut up. Like I don't got I got zero time for that. No, nope, agreed. And that's uh, the malt liquor talking right now. <laughs> the shameless. Because <laughs> that's it. I'm feeling it. Cheeks are feeling a little red. I, yeah. But yeah, no, to me, I, I, I want to see it as, as somebody who is not a, who well, has no allegiance to either, either side. Right. Do it. And it's, it's like I said, I, it doesn't have to be one of these blatant, we're running them out there all the time, but he's going to take his regular shift. To me, that's the bare minimum that you should have expected. You here. don't have Tage Thompson hanging out at center ice, just waiting for the puck like that kid in, <laughs> in minor hockey. You're like, hey, douchebag. Um, yeah. I'm open. No doubt, Matt. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Buffalo Sabres, they were fairly prominently mentioned in a piece this week in The Athletic, uh, put together by Haley Salvian and Ian Mendez, uh, talking about kind of changes in attendance and they had to kind of weave this together in a way that, you know, last year, uh, many of the Canadian markets were still having to play some games in empty buildings or with, uh, with you know, crowd limitations. The year before that certainly was played almost entirely in empty arenas in Canada. So they have to go back to the 2019-2020 season and they're trying to compare which teams attendance-wise are on the upswing and which ones are headed down. And there's a bunch in the middle that are like, 
up 78 fans a game, down 112 fans a game. And it's Capitals, no change. Which was weird. Yeah, for sure it is. And one of the other things that maybe I should mention here, and it's just a pet peeve because I see it every night. One of the accounts I follow that talks about attendance, every night there are teams clocking in at 102% capacity, 104% capacity, which to me just says you've counted your fucking seats wrong, right? Like if every night you're at 102% capacity, that's probably your real 100% capacity, is it not? Like, yeah. I, Is uh, Jack Adams involved in this right. in some way? So that's neither here nor there. But the point I wanted to get to was some of the teams that are way up and way down compared to 2019-20. And we haven't talked about them in a couple of weeks here now. So why don't we start on the Senators yep. who are substantially up from 2019-20. And I think we all predicted that would be the case after the summer that they had with mm. uh, with bringing Claude Giroux home with the trade for uh, Alex Debrinkit and and you know there was some good vibes. Cam Talbot and frankly, a lot of people who had sworn up and down, "I'm not coming back until Melnick no longer owns the team," and he no longer owns the team. So, I think we expected there to be a rise. I think they had it at about somewhere in the two thousands, twenty eight hundred. Yeah. Up 2,800 from 2019, 2020. And that is a significant rise in a building that can hold pretty close to 20,000 people. Uh, You know, we're talking about a 10% swing here. You've been to a couple games this year. Yep. Did that surprise you? Did anything catch you off guard with it? Or does that sort of reflect how you've viewed it? No. But if you were, see, this is the thing with any kind of numbers. Right, which is which is the gist of this conversation. Mm-hmm. You look at that and go, they have the second largest increase in in average attendance. Right, uh, behind well up behind only the Islanders. Yes, who are in around three grand, and also in a brand new arena. Yeah, and so you're like, wow, the picture is rosy. Yeah, things are looking good. There's context here. That's right, but when you look at where Ottawa ranks, still. In 2022, in average attendance. So still behind the Panthers. Uh, well, with the 25th. Uh, right. 25th, averaging around 15 or right. 16,000. So your point being, they've come well up, but it's because it was so the low. Su- and I, what, what surprised me in the article was they had six games in 2019 under 10,000. Yeah. Whoa. That's brutal. Brutal. Super brutal. And again, the, 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 it actually now holds 18.5 again. It's back in that sort of range. They play around with it. Yeah. Well, the, the, there's the, room The home for opener, more. there was standing room. I think they're actually down to about 17.8. We've seen over the years, they tarp some over, but they can remove yeah. those tarps. Yeah. The, but the, the, so the tarps are gone. And so what you have now is, is around 17.8, okay. I think, in terms of but it seats. Is, is it not one of the, when it opened or at its max? 18.5 when it opened. That's and, it, eh? Yeah. And then uh, they- ex- Honestly, I had it in my head that it was one of the top, like, three to five. They expanded it okay. later to put it up close to 20, Right 000. around 20, I thought. Yeah, yeah. it's true. That, that did happen. Yeah. And then what, I'm not sure what they've done, but with their- well, Probably some, know, like, fan decks This is exactly areas. right. They, they, they put in some areas- kind of club the, area behind Where, where the, the little, little DJ is yeah, yeah, and whatever. Yeah. So those sorts of areas, they brought it down to, I believe, just below 18. Right. So, which I think when they build the new one in LeBreton, I think you're looking at 16.5. That's sort of going to be your, um, but yeah. So what I'm saying is I was at the game, the Alfie, I've been 
couple games this year. If you get 13,000 people in there, it feels like a mausoleum. Like it is a big yeah. building. Yeah. And and so that is your 90s, your mid 90s build. Like I think when they opened that place, it had over 200 suites. Wow. Yeah, like you were looking at, in, in a city. In a federal government city yes. that can't buy suites. Like the two biggest employers in this city are federal government and municipal government. Right. None of them that can buy boxes. Right. So it's a terrible idea. And and every building built since then. Scaled it down. Scaled it way down yeah. for, for a bunch of other, you know, areas where you can stand. You know, like every arena and ballpark does Well, we've now. talked about like half the reason for the Blue Jays reno. Those 500s are being turned into... Decks. Bars. Meeting areas. Yeah. 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 And so it is a place where, yeah, I, I was surprised and not surprised, right? When you sort of look at numbers and again, it's like any of those numbers you look at and you go, huh, we are the second largest increase. Woo. Right. And then you go, okay, but let's look at the actual attendance and you go, oh, you're 25th. Well, and and these are some of the, like the Blackhawks are well down. Them in Montreal are the two biggest buildings in the league, I believe. 22, yeah. And so if they're drawing 17, (laughs) people go, man, that's a good crowd, right? But like that's 77% of capacity. And they just came off last year. I think it was 500 some odd straight games of sellout, like a league record in terms of number. And that's through the entire you know, the, the Taves, Kane era, yep. the three Stanley three Cups. Cups. And so you go 17,000 looks pretty good, but compared to, you know, what it used to be, you're only at 70% capacity. That, that 17,000 is bigger than Winnipeg can fit, Yep. but it's only 70% of capacity, right? So it's, it's hard to kind of keep these in context, keep the numbers through. Um, look, Chicago has told everyone, A, we're going to be bad. And B, they also showed everybody we're kind of a shitty organization right now. So I don't really want to blame Chicago fans for suddenly being less interested in this team. But there are some markets where you go, that would be worrying to me. Philadelphia is one that is well down. And that is a, you know, we, it's often been referred to like the original seven, right? Like that, that classic yep. logo, one of those classic franchises that came in right away and became successful. Man, they're not interested in what's happening there with the flyers and they refuse to acknowledge any sort of rebuild. Right. And they're just sort of middling around. And and I think a lot of their fans have been maybe smarter than their management going, yeah, this thing is going nowhere and it needs to be torn down. And until you acknowledge that there's no reason to continue coming to support this. Well, and and so that is, as you say, under Snyder for all those years, they said, this is a team that will never rebuild. Right. We don't rebuild. And you're like, I think the 2022 sports fan understands economics has become so much of a bigger deal, right? That you are not doing your fan base a favor by saying that when the reality is they look at everybody else. Look look at Chicago, what Chicago, their attendance in the nineties, fucking trash. Yeah. Right up until the Patrick Kane draft, basically. And so you're like. 10,000 people. Are people suggesting Chicago is not a hockey town? No, no. they're not saying that, right? And so you but look they know at- know when they're being served shit. This is it. And so in the 2022 time, you know, you are looking at sports fans are so much more educated through either through social media, 
the various sources you have for information. And I think the cap has forced them to be. Yeah. Like I remember when Matt Sundin signed his contract for $9 million a year, and this was in like 2000, right? Before A, we took like a, what a, what was it? A 29% rollback or yeah. whatever it was as a negotiating thing to avoid a cap. And Gary went, okay, we're going to take that and we're still going <laughs> to insist yeah. on the cap. Everyone just went. You're oh. going to take it. Everyone kind of looked at that and went, shit, that's a lot of money and moved on because who the hell cared? It was someone else's money yeah. and it didn't matter. The cap makes you care. You look at that contract and go, oh, but now that means yeah. can we do this or could we sign that guy or we're locked out of this? No. You have forced fans to care about your business. Yeah. And it, it's totally changed uh, the way you look at everything, right? And, and you look, I got young guys coming up, which means I know I'm going to have to trade Drew, I guess, right? Or we're re- like in the case of the Flyers. Yep. Um, it's just a different world now and, and fans, whether they wanted to be or not, have had to. There is not a bigger, uh, a more poster child for you're living on the outskirts than the Flyers. Right. There's not a, there's not a franchise that is more an indication of. We're not going anywhere. No, we're let's, not rebuilding, but we're not good. Let's, because yeah, we'll just live always in that. We're going to push for the eight spot. Yep. We're going to push for that wild card spot yeah. and never make it to a cup final. Strip it, break it down. Yep. And you do your fans, I said, a disservice mm-hmm. if you don't do that. One of the other ones that was interesting to me was the Sharks who are one of maybe the most successful examples of, of Gary's venture into the South, right? We're going to put this, he calls it a footprint, right? And it was mainly about American TV. You had to be in a certain number of, of markets. Yep. And a couple of times he chose to go to places that didn't have other teams. You can think of Columbus, right? Don't go to Cleveland. They already have teams, right? Don't go to Cincinnati. They already have teams. Go to Columbus and see if you can get a, a foothold in there. Um, Carolina, similar. Vegas, certainly similar. Uh, but San Jose at the time well, didn't Vegas, have a lot. Vegas because they were Vegas, of first, the first ones yep. in, right? Um, so go and, and put, you know, something in there. And and the Sharks for a long time, they were just shy of Chicago in terms of, they had like a 400 game sellout yep. streak and they were good. Basically since Joe Thornton got traded there in 2006, they were a very good team that never quite got over the hump, but showed that this non-traditional hockey market could work but they're not stupid either. And they start to see, oh shit, right? Like everybody we got is locked up long-term and they're old and bad, right? Yeah. Like with it, it was Brent Burns. He's obviously been moved along. For a song. Uh, Mark Edward Vlasic, you know, obviously Carlson's having a bit of a bounce back year. This year we'll see how sustainable that's going to be. Logan Couture. Um, you know, you don't want to lose your Timo Myers and these sorts. Your Tomash. Hurdles. Right. So you pay them too, because you have to, but that team's not any good. And those fans have recognized they had a huge fall off as well, which is a bit of a bummer because that was one of those markets in the South that really embraced the league and, and they're struggling now too. Um, as we look across Canada. But just wait. Yeah. If you look at, again, that's another market in San Jose where they've said, yeah, that market will not tolerate a rebuild. A rebuild. That, They've that, said that forever. That their that their attendance and will crater. They may be right, <laughs> but you are looking at. Uh, I they talk about harsh Canadian fan bases. 
you look at, they held a fan poll last year of most disliked sharks in their home market. <laughs> Mark Edward Vlasic wins that poll. Eric Carlson finishes yeah. second. Yeah. So this is a Those market. Those aren't disliked players. Those are disliked contracts. contracts. Exactly. And so. You don't want your fans to care about that. I'm telling you, it's bad for business. And, and, and so when you say, oh, we're going to, we're going to keep swinging at this. We're going to just keep going with this because the fan base will not understand right. and rebuild. Uh, that poll, if nothing else, shows you. Yes. Your fan base is clearly aware of what's they happening. They understand. They understand that that's a bad contract for the situation you're in right now. And all this talk about whether or not Carlson could be traded. I know the rumor, not rumor, but there's been speculation about maybe Ottawa or whatever, even at half maybe price. Toronto. Yep. Sure. Maybe you're going to now pay, what is it? Five years. He's got left on that contract. Yeah. San Jose to trade that guy. Is this going to have five and a half million dollars? of dead cap space for five years. You know when people- That's a terrible spot to be in and and your fans know it. And you know when you're still saying, and hopefully you can find a third party. Right. (laughs) Your contract (laughs) for five years so shitty. We need somebody else to come in and take a little chunk of that to make it powerful. You and I argued about Nick Foligno to the Leafs as a UFA two years ago. I loved it. Yeah. Okay. I'm not even interested in rehashing. It's just the contract. You had to find a third team. Columbus trades him to San Jose. San Jose eats half of the contract. So there's only half of it left. Toronto now takes the other and only has to pay a quarter. That's for three months. Who are you going to find to take five years of Eric Carlson's contract? Half of it. That's the problem, right? When you make these third team deals, they work really well on expiring contracts. They don't work at all with, I'm willing to help you out for the next four months from the trade deadline. I'm not doing shit for you at. Well, and as far as I know, Carlson never played for the Sioux Greyhounds. No, exactly. So we're going to keep our Connor Timmons (laughs) and that's going to work out just fine. So it ain't happening in Toronto. It is not going to happen in Toronto. All right. They've talked a little bit about some of the Canadian markets. Um, Edmonton has a beautiful new building, but they're just slightly down. Um, Vancouver has been bad, so there's reason for maybe them to be a little bit down. But I wonder, just in opinion, just in terms of anecdote, just in terms of talking to the people that you talk to, in this article, in almost every arena that's down, they referenced, you know, the pandemic hangover, are people ready to go back to arenas? And I do think there are some people who still won't, but it does seem like the majority, like, I don't know this year if I'm still buying that attendance is down because people aren't willing to go back yet. I think there's a small percentage of the population that isn't, but I think most people are back to normal, man. And to me, that's a tough sell that it's the pandemic still that's keeping people away. I look at my, I went to a, uh, a Panthers Senators game sort of in the last month of. of Had your own row. No, it was, it was full. (laughs) Right. And that was sort of the first large scale thing I'd ever been to. So that was since the pandemic. Yeah. And I'm sitting, you know, right next to some guy. I have no idea who that guy is. He's right. not wearing a mask. Right. Um, and most aren't. I, I wasn't. Right. And I was, strange, yeah. strangely, I wore a mask in. It's it's funny the weird yeah. spins like, our heads take at this point, like when to do it and when not. Well, you're, like, you're an idiot because <laughs> I'm not sure what makes you think sitting in that seat next <laughs> to that guy. Like, honestly, we're touching elbows. 
But there is a feeling as you're streaming in and you're all shoulder to shoulder yep. and you're yep. kind of bottleneck. Bumping bo- into the guy, yeah. you know, and yeah. you're like, oh, I'm going to wear a mask now. Yeah. So, uh, but I've been to, I've been to three games since right. the end of last season. And so, um, it's not, it's not stopping me. It's, it's not stopping people I know. Right. Not all of them, yep. clearly. Yep. Um, but I'm not sensing any hesitation from sports fans. Yeah, I don't fans. think that's it any- anymore. I think even last year it would have been. I think if we'd have done this study last December, I'd have gone. Well, yeah, it was okay. a big decision for me to go. Cause at that point there was, it was 18,000 people in the building that night. Right. It was a big crowd yep. and it was a good game. Ottawa lost in overtime and people were full throated. It yep. was, there was, it was a good With game. All kinds of things. Yeah, for sure, man. They, literally, right. <laughs> there was just all kinds of, you know, whatever. Yep. But I was concerned that night. And it's, I've been to two games since and I've had, I've had no. Yeah. It takes a minute to get used to, right? This feels a little weird. I'm and naked without a mask. Right. And then you're like, yeah. no, I'm, I'm back. I'm back, and, baby. And so, I'm used to being naked. Yeah. No, I love being naked. <laughs> but it's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's weird. I still wear one at work. I'm still, when I'm regularly in close, I wore one into the building today. Yep. Um, but you know, it's, it's really, I, I don't buy it. I don't buy it that. It's, yeah, it's a bit it, of a cop. It's a huge swing in attendance in Canadian markets now. I think the last one I had, and I'll, I'll, you know, punch it back to you if you had more after that, but I just quickly thought maybe it was worth mentioning the Arizona Coyotes. We're yeah. now in a 5,000 seat arena. Yeah. That, and I, we talked about it on this show, man. I said when they made this announcement that yes, we're all going to be allowed to point and make fun for a little while, but by the time this season rolled around, it would be being sold to us as this hip university arena. It might be the coolest vibe in the league. Look at, you know, and that's exactly what they tried to sell us. And they're not selling it out. It's not sold out in a 5,000 seat arena. Now we all shit all over Glendale. It's, it's Canada. It's Pickering. It's whatever market you live in kind of far from what as a weak sister, they were averaging anywhere from 12 to 14,000 a night. And now they're in this 5,000 seat arena and they're averaging around 4,100 a night. They haven't sold this fucking thing out either. And I just, there's a small spiteful part of me that's like, yes, that's exactly what I fucking told you. (laughs) This is not a cool thing. This is not intentional. We didn't create a vibe. We're just a fucking terrible organization hiding in somebody's barn until (laughs) we'll see whether or not Tempe's, well, Tempe City Council, I think we talked about this last week, said we're going to pass this off as a plebiscite or a, a local referendum. Yeah, a little the, referendum. The, yeah, the taxpayers will have the final say and that's how it should be, but taxpayers don't say no to big yeah. new concert venues. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I, I just thought Arizona. And, and they've is, played five games at home in 26 yeah. or whatever it is. So the novelty should not have worn off yet. No. And so we'll wait and we'll see what happens when they get back in a good run. But yeah, it's not a, it's not a good look. And, and when you sell it as... This is less than ideal, mm-hmm. which is what it's been marketed as. Yeah. We're making do when that is, you know, that again is, it, it, it becomes very clear and transparent to the fan base that this is a makeshift yeah. deal. Why am I buying into this? I'm not. Show me something and a good team because it's not a good team it either. It's trying to lose. Uh, any other for the better or for the worse up or down that you thought was interesting off this list? Just Winnipeg, right? Yeah. And I think the fact that it appears there 
down. It, it's down. Yeah. And you have, to me, they're leading the central right now, right? So that is interesting. Yeah. It's a small arena. I think it caps out at about 15-5. Correct. And I can remember everybody was pretty up in arms when Gary rolled in there and awarded them the franchise back from Atlanta and said, now you better not make me come back in here, right? <laughs> Essentially, you better keep this sold out. This market can't afford to not have a sold out building. And so they're clocking in somewhere in the 13s right now. And as you said, with a pretty good team, right? That's been pretty competitive, better than I expected them to be this year, certainly. And they're not selling it out. And it is the smallest building at this point in the league. So that would be concerning to me, right? That, look, I'm not saying they're on the verge of moving or failing or anything like that, but if the team is this good right now and you're not selling it, and and if you recall, when they first moved, if you wanted to buy a box or season tickets, you were committed for five years. Mm -hmm. And those ran out, right? And we talked about it at the time. By then we had the show up and running. As those start to expire, now we get to see what this market really is. So that ran out in about 2016. And for the next four or five years, they were still really solid. But now you're just another team, right? You're just another market and you're just as fed up as any other fan base if things aren't going well or if you're not satisfied with how your team is playing. And yeah, you have the smallest arena in the league and you're still not selling it out. That It's not problematic yet, but it could be. Well, and we'll wait and we'll see because there's always a lag, right? You have yep. your good seasons. Yep. That sort of lag and you're like, attendance hasn't bounced back yet. And then the bad seasons, right? Where, Yeah. If this team goes two rounds in the playoffs this year, you can expect a boost in in season tickets next season. Yeah. Yeah. One more thing to touch on, but uh, it's probably worth cracking another beer first. What do you got going on over there? Oh, I have a, from Junction Brewing out of Toronto, I have a Tomato Pivo. Czech black lager or dark lager. Czech black lager. Yeah. Fascinated by that, to dark, be honest with dark you. Dark lager, actually. Yeah. Oh, so whatever. Whatever. So Pivo, anybody who's made the trip around a lot of those sort of Slavic areas, Croatia, Slovenia, and through, you know, Slovakia, Czech Republic. Pivo. That's the call. Okay. Pivo, prosim. What's it mean? Uh, beer, please. Oh. Yeah, all right. Follow with the snap of the fingers. Pivo. Oh, that gets everybody moving, eh? Yeah, I, I find it usually either or it gets shit chucked at you, one or the other, right? So what are we thinking at this point? Canada has seen two of the teams from its group in the World Cup move through. Are we feeling any better now as uh, Croatia is into the semis, as is Morocco? Um, wow. And some fairly sound dismissals too, right? Like the the way the Brits went out against France. Uh, Morocco takes out, I think it was Brazil, was it not? Uh, uh, Portugal. Portugal, that's Portugal. right. Yeah, the Brazilians go down. Um, man, it's, Morocco is is the story of the tournament so far, right? It's it's an African team making it through. It's an Arab team making it through. Uh, people are kind of rallying. I, I know you're at best, I don't know, indifferent Tepid. to what's happening at Tepid this point. is the interest. But should we feel any better about how Canada made out at the World Cup based on the fact that the two teams that came out of their group have also made it to the semifinal? I don't think it changes anything for me, right? Looking at how they got schooled by the Croatians, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, the, in the final 70 minutes of that game. So far, the only team that has scored on Morocco, you got to be careful with this, 
I keep seeing everybody is Canada. But Morocco scored on themselves in that game. That was an own goal, Canada, an accredited own goal, not a. <laughs> well, because soccer does that really well, right? They and put, they should. They put Matt Robinson, own goal, right on the slip. Yeah, like, they do. You're like, <laughs> in case you had any idea, well, I wonder what Trying happened. to slink away from that, yeah. Well, and then also that header off the crossbar that Canada had against Morocco yeah. in, in the diamond. So that's one of those things where in hindsight, you look at it and go, but they were shit birds that we were going to just knock off the ledge. Right? Morocco? Bef- yeah. Before yeah, that the was tur- our 50-50 game. Before Here the tournament the started, game. you're like, and they are the 2022 Russia. Because I think Russia made the semis in their- uh, 2018. In their 2018 hosting, which they came, they were like 80th yeah, ranked in the world or something. The difference being- Morocco's become the darlings and Russia was still. Yeah. Still yeah. Russia. Yeah. yeah. Still Russia. Um, right. Yeah. And it doesn't really make a difference to me because I look at Canada deserving a better fate against the Belgians. Belgians. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, had that terrible start against the Moroccans. Yeah. And the Moroccans with a Canadian goalie, Canadian born goalie. Yeah. I'm having a hard time to getting behind the Croatians based on the way they, there's a whole lot of history here and whatever about a lot of their fans were very, very, very hard on our goalkeeper, uh, Borean. And I, it, it's just part of the history of- I think he's a Serb though. So. That's exactly, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He is a Serb Canadian. Yep. And the Croats, look, there's a whole scene there, right? In terms oh, of- Oh, it's a scene, man. It's <laughs> a scene In terms of the sure. former Yugoslavia. Yeah. All of these sorts of things. There were some very uncool signs and stuff in the- uh, in the crowd directed at him that to Croatia's credit, their players came out and I don't know, discredited, dis- yeah. disavowed, whatever yeah. you want to say, but that's made it hard to get behind, uh, Croats, but oh, sorry, it's been interesting to watch and yeah. look, we're down to, yeah, France and, uh, Croatia, Morocco, and then I think it's Argentina, isn't it? Is the, no, yeah, Arge- were- Argentina. France, Morocco, Croatia. Yeah. Those are the final four. Yeah. So I, look, it hasn't re-spiked my interest in the tournament. I'll flip it on or I won't as we get to the semis or the finals here. But it does sort of make you look, all right, like we were still outclassed, but at least we were outclassed by yep. p- yeah. teams that are outclassing everybody hey, so it's, far. It's, right? it's clearly the best division yeah. or group. Effed up. I want to get, yeah, I want to get a result. Yes. Like all these things that clean sheet <laughs> on the pitch. I haven't seen a clean I got sheet my, I got time. my new kit, like all this shit. You're like, shut up. All these people walking around mouthing these things like they know something. You're just like me. You know nothing. And there's the, uh, <laughs> the tag for the front of the show. <laughs> Look, we should touch on the Grant Wall story which developed on Friday at the World Cup. Grant Wall is an American writer. He had worked for a very long time for SI, uh, for Fox. CBS. Yeah, he's got a long resume, had covered basketball for a while, and had become basically the U.S.'s preeminent soccer writer. Uh, He died on Friday at the World Cup, uh, covering the second semifinal, um, or quarterfinal, excuse me. Yeah, Argentina-Netherlands game. Yeah, and... He had been on a podcast the day, a day or two before saying, I haven't been feeling very good. He had kind of chalked it up to bronchitis. Uh, and this is hardly the point of the story, but I saw multiple people reporting in the the comments there that 
bronchitis is not a disease, it's a symptom. Like if you get coughing too much, you inflame your bronchioles and that's bronchitis. It itself is not a, hmm. yeah, had no idea. Uh, he said on that podcast, he had been feeling bad. He'd been to the medical center that they have there for the media and that he was feeling better, not perfect, but better feeling better than he had been. It's also worth noting that he had done a ton of very critical reporting on the Qatari, uh, Supreme committee. I think they've taken to be calling, um, everything that had happened with the migrant workers, he had been very critical of the regime there in Qatar and he had showed up earlier in the tournament wearing a rainbow t-shirt in support of his brother who's gay. Yeah. Uh, we'll drop the audio in here. His brother put out a very distraught video. I'll allow you people to make what you will of it. If you've lost a family member, you're going to be distraught. His brother though believes this is not uh, an accident. Right. My name is Eric Wall. I live in Seattle, Washington. I am Grant Wall's brother. I'm gay. I am the reason he wore the rainbow shirt to the World Cup. My brother was healthy. He told me he received death threats. I do not believe my brother just died. I believe he was killed. And I just beg for any help. And that's why I point out uh, everything about what Grant Wall had reported upon. And I guess this is one of those things, and we've seen it before when you've gone to other Olympics in China. Sometimes you have to install an app before you're allowed to whatever. And and the journalists had to do this. You can be tracked a bit. Um, This is not a regime that gets the benefit of the doubt. At the same time, it's you can't jump to conclusions. Sometimes things happen. There's incredible heat there. Sometimes people just get sick. But man, I'm having a very, very hard time with the idea that this American reporter who had been extremely critical of the regime just got sick and, and keeled over there just by chance. I'm having a, I'm struggling to, to put out all the first assumptions I'm struggling to, to put those away. Well, and a week ago, a week ago today, he on his, in his own writings on his Substack was, was complaining of, of, of what he thought was a cold. Yep. And he said, I've been, I've been struggling with for about 10 days at yep. that point. Yep. Cause when, when you sent this on to me, the idea, and I, I sort of went looking for some different stuff and after reading a couple of things, I wanted to know if, if, if Grant Wall or Greg Wall or any of these other people had any pre-existing health issues. Yep. Yep. And so it leads you to, I believe it was a New York Times article, which talked about as details emerge, speculation is still runs rampant, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there, there came down to this, you know, I've been struggling for 10 days with this, what he thought was a cold and it had sort of ramped up into some very serious upper chest pressure right. by a week ago. Yeah. Then there was the, you know, as you said, the very well documented, um, defense of the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Then there was the migrant worker who died at a training facility, I believe. Uh, yeah, so- during the warm up to the tournament. 
Yeah, was it not last Wednesday? Yeah, like during training and yeah, yeah, and so suffered a head blow that was that was covered, not released, and when it was brought to Al Qatar, I believe one yes. of the spokesmen for That's the right. for the Grand Committee, and again, or Supreme, Supreme, any, any kind of Supreme Committee, yeah. or anytime somebody is 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 connected with anything that's called a regime, right? That's not good news. It's not good, and it's not positive, All right? And and it's it's interesting in this sort of gross response of we're in the middle when asked the first question in the press scrum was asked about this most recent death of this migrant worker. Right. And the response was, we're in the midst of a very successful world cup. Why is this the first question? Yeah. Why do you want to talk about the people that are dying working here? This is death. This is death. Is a, is a natural yeah. occurrence in life, whether it be at your workplace or at your home while sleeping. Right. It happens. We are, we send our, no, I was going to say we are saddened. No, no. We send our condolences to the family. Yeah. Why are you asking this question? And you're like, how many other things happen where people, not only scads die in the run up to it. Yes. But are still dying during it. It's actually. Right now, while we're all here watching it. Yeah. And you could not be more indifferent his, to it. And he, that was basically the title of one of his last articles on his sub stack was, they don't care. And it's right in your face. They don't care. That's what he said. They don't care. Right. And, and he's right about that. Oh, they're 100% right. And so whether he was sick, whether he contracted something super unfortunate, whatever it was. Whether he was given something. Or he was given something. What happens is, at the end of the day, what is going to happen? He is a well, a well-known one more death. Yeah. And, and the reality American, is. Which the, also, that, yep. ma- that matters. So what are the Americans going to do? Are they going to bomb the place back to no, the Stone Age? of course not. No. So are they going to put sanctions on the country that has the world's largest natural gas resources? Probably not. Well, so what if you do? Put it on me. We're just going to sell our natural gas it, elsewhere. It's, oh man. It's so, and uh a guy who writes for the Toronto Star. His name's Ed Tubb. And he did a, I ended up following him because he was doing a ton of really good work on the pandemic. And he, tweeted out what had happened and then said, you know, in a reply to his own tweet, and this is in probably the first 90 minutes after this is being reported. He goes, don't jump to conclusions. Right. And it's good advice. Of course it is. But man. Yep. If What's you don't, everyone left to do? If you don't give this event to this regime, it's a lot easier to not have this Look, we're all thinking the exact same thing. Of course. Did they fucking kill him? Yeah. And I don't know. And he's in a Qatari hospital right now. And are, you know, when you talk about toxicology results, mm-hmm. are, are you against the idea that they could just throw him on a dialysis machine? Pump whatever you want into you him. You flush everything out. You I'm, do whatever. I'm telling you, man, there's no greater cure for a hangover than a dialysis treatment. And I can, I can vouch for that. And so you can wash whatever you want out of a system. Yeah. And... You know, one of the the reporters that was immediately distraught that replied to this story right away said, you need to get to his phone first. Probably doesn't matter. No. 
if they have installed this app on every reporter's phone and every athlete and every look, this isn't new. We've had our our pal Amy Burke on the show when she went to Beijing. It all of a sudden, you never used to have to do this, but because of the pandemic, and we want to know where everyone's coming from. There is a Beijing 2020 app or a Tokyo 2021 app or whatever, and journalists too have to install this app on your phone or you're not allowed into the country. We don't know what that app does. Can it? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we can it just delete your text messages? Can it fudge where you've been? Can it, following you and tracking you is the least of your concerns, right? And we sign up for it here. If you have Facebook on your phone, <laughs> yep, you're being tracked. Ever so look, I'm having like I, I said to you a few minutes ago, man. I'm having a really hard time with this, and this is not a, a place that I will give the benefit of the doubt to. I. It is entirely possible that he dropped dead of bronchitis. Yeah, if this is 06 and is being held in Germany and he dies in a Munich hospital. Right. We're not having the same conversation. we are absolutely not. You go, that really sucks. That's really disappointing. I'm sorry that happened. But it happened here and you go, man, this is a critical reporter who is... A regime that has done way worse than off one reporter. And you're very right that there's not much that the U.S. can do here to investigate. His phone may have been wiped. His brother is absolutely distraught. And again, it you would be. Of course. As, your, as a family member, right? Like it, well, we and, can't and, necessarily take his word for the gospel either. Him saying he showed up there 100% healthy yeah, sometimes you catch shit when you travel, right? Like well, it, sometimes you don't even know what, right, you, what you don't have. Right. It's but he wore that shirt, that rainbow shirt in support of his brother. So the yep. the the guilt, the what you would be feeling sitting at home. Man, this whole thing is a mess and I don't know that we ever get a straight answer on it and I just I'm not ever going to be prepared to give these hosts no. the benefit of the doubt. Okay, on and, it, and, and go back to two or three weeks ago when we, when the world cup was kicking off and we had this discussion here and all these things were, were brought not to light because clearly they've been yeah. under a very severe spotlight for a long time, but yeah, FIFA and, and soccer as a whole. Yeah. Yeah. What a great tournament on the, on the field has been. Yeah. Like, you can't 100%. dispute it, the, the, the interest and, 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 and that's what they want you to pay attention to. But as, as we spoke on this podcast, it's, it's, it's trash yeah. that they've taken the money yeah. and absolutely, as I said, eight stadiums, 250 billion while people are, are dying from curable diseases. Yeah. And then these things happen, the migrant workers and the, and the, the living conditions of workers there. And, and it's funny because. Friend of the show, AJ Jackiebeck, who, as we record, on his way home should right be now. on his way home. Um, Doing the Doha, Cairo, uh, somewhere in Poland. Krakow, Warsaw. Warsaw, Toronto, Ottawa, Milk Run. Yikes. Fuck me. Yeah. As somebody who's flown from, never from the Middle East <laughs> yeah. or, or North Africa or anything, yeah. but you're like, that is garbage. That's and two days of your life that's yeah. going to suck. And, and so he's supposed to be on uh, this afternoon here as we listen uh, on local radio. I'm saying you got 
no chance <laughs> that that guy is on air no. in Ottawa on Monday. Monday afternoon, no. So it is. He he's been back and forth, and he was on Ottawa radio. I don't know his first hit, maybe just before Canada played its first game. Yeah, and he's saying things like, "Oh, I've been talking to volunteers and migrants, and they say they're quite happy." Yeah. I'd say that too. Yeah. And I'm like, honestly, man, have you been to any countries where you are under the thumb of the man literally 24 seven? What else are you saying? Right. I was in China twice. Yeah. And yeah, we're assigned an interpreter slash spy, you know, and and who takes us around and and you ask them questions. The, The lines they give you are like right out of a brochure. Like you were given this. If asked this question or right. anything like right. this question, your response will be, "Right, I love it. I love the leader. Yeah. No, 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 Leader. Attention, everyone. Let's all give thanks to the leader for this glorious day. The leader is good. The leader is great. We surrender our will as of the state. The leader is good. The leader is great. We surrender our will as of the state. It's no use. He's obviously the most powerful mind we've ever dealt with. Or, na 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 leader, na 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 leader, na 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 leader, na 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 leader, leader, leader. I mean, leader. I love the leader. Yeah, exactly. This fucking guy nailed it, man. Nice job. So. You're like, I, I don't, yeah, I'm not asking any of the locals while I'm on, who's wearing the, the Qatar 2022 no. oh t-shirt. Yeah. How are you being treated? Right. And then I get the smile with the double thumbs I up. I have to go now. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's that? <laughs> yeah. Buzzing. Gotta go. Yeah. And this is, this is it, man. And, and you're so right to bring up, you know, had it been 06 in Munich. Almost anywhere else. If this tournament is in Tokyo 2018 Russia. or Perth oh, wait, or <laughs> London or Rio or Regina. Oh, so Regina in December. It's gorgeous. It is gorgeous. Frozen balls. If Yeah, no doubt. Um, you just, your mind doesn't go here. Right. And so that's my point when I bring up what Ed yep. Tubb is, is tweeting out that don't, it's good advice, but man, doesn't stop my mind from going there. Correct. And, and that's it. And, and this is what happens when you put one of these things in one of these places. And look, I, I guess, and there are people out there making this case that if you're a journalist there to cover the event, you don't need to be walking around in a rainbow shirt. But man, is that where you want to come down on this? That it was his fault? I got yeah. I, I, that that that's a bad take. It's a bad take, man. But it's a common one right now because we saw it all over the news. But when, but when, there is. It's not. It it makes me feel gross to say. That. It's not crazy to say when you voluntarily show up to someone else's party and blatantly flaunt things that that you don't get to kill people. Yeah. But wow. you knew what you were showing up to. And I have traveled extensively. Yeah. And I've traveled extensively with, with middle income Canadian blinders on, right? The concept of my perspective and my, and my experience in my life where I've grown up and where I live does not extend around the world. Right. Right. A lot of these people don't feel 
oppressed or whatever. you're you, showing up to their – You don't know. Right. You don't know. Right. And these sorts of things, what they actually do is give those people who live an air quotes shitty existence a glimpse of something else. Right. You're not helping them. No. You're actually showing them how shitty it, it is. We talked about this as such a – as such a uh, – you know – very base level when we talked about the Budweiser tents and they decided, look, we don't want our people showing up to the stadium and seeing everyone, everyone else drinking going, man, that looks like fun. Why can't we do that? And they move that away. Sometimes you're better off not to bring your, you know, like yep. to bring your culture into a place that after you leave is not going to continue to live that way. Like, are, are you showing these people a life they're not going to have? And, and the thing is, it's so interesting is, is they were talking about, and it was heavily thrown around at the beginning of, of the World Cup about this idea, this concept of sports washing. Yes. That you're going to use sport to sort of cleanse your image. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I don't think this is sports wa- sport washing here because I don't think they give a damn what's happening here. No. They don't really care to clean their image. Not now. Not like as soon as ball one was kicked off. Yeah. You're here. You're in our country. You're not calling this off. You're no not gays. canceling this. No liquor. Right. You're out. Yeah. Everybody. Uh, if you want to have a world cup, you'll play it by our rules. Now for and they, sure. And they won. They absolutely won because the filthy lucre, the big greenback spoke and that's it. Yeah. And... So whether you're looking at FIFA or the IOC, any of these large events, it's gross, man. Don't, don't do, you know, watch whoever plays in the World Cup final. And if you want to love the beautiful game for all of it, just look at what's happening between those white lines. Because if you look anything past that, you will be disgusted. And it's the same thing. When you watch your Scott Moyer and Tessa Virtue and- Mm -hmm. You know, and the beautiful smiles and all those things that happen at Olympics. And you go, can I just watch that? Can I just take that event for what it is? Right. And not look past what's happening behind that? Yeah, it's super gross, man. It's super gross. I just, I don't expect to ever get, I don't know what it would take at this point to convince me that, uh, that what happened at Grant Wall was an accident or natural. Or yep. I don't expect to get closure on this. Well, I, I, I fully expect, yeah, we investigated. They sort of dragged their heels on this. We got his phone, but there was a technical issue with this yep. because of the app. We got, by the time we got to him in hospital, like you said, uh, any sort of dialysis machine can pump whatever you want in or out of you. It's, I fully expect this to be one of those things that we're just supposed to Forget about and we'll be seeing some some W five fifth estate yeah. do, you know documentary yeah. for years about the condition of the body and, and that they'll just never convince me. I, I'm sorry, they'll just never convince me that this wasn't. Well, if you can kill the president of the United States on American soil, mm-hmm. and that be confusing, and, and this and the the really fucked up part of this is, look, the next World Cup is in North America and we're all going to feel really good about that, but there will be worldwide reports about America's relationship with race, Canada's relationship with indigenous yeah, people. Yeah, indigenous people, the, 100%. These are coming and then I don't know where it's going after that. 
we're going to see more and more and more Olympics and World Cups and big events like this being held in places where you don't really worry about voters and, uh, and freedoms and, and things like that. So I think that's what's coming and man, I, yeah. I just, I, I don't know how to. Yeah. Well, let's, look, let's look at it. Like I, I was in Atlanta, 96 and the amount of suppression and cleansing of how poor some of those areas of Atlanta were, right? Yeah. We saw. Move the fuck out. We're building a diving center. This, or, uh, and then, and not only that, panhandling, all those things, yeah. you're, you're cleaned away. They had air quotes, friends of the Olympics, yeah. right? Who were there to say, beat it, you rummy. Yeah. Right. And then as soon as the games were done and I was there afterwards, bam, you had, I couldn't walk across the street without being accosted three times by a, by a very aggressive panhandler. Right. But all I'm saying is, yeah, it doesn't matter where you take these, there are stories of all kinds. hundred percent. I just. Yeah. Not to this extent though. No, no, no. Is, I, is really where I, I was I know, going I know what you're saying. Yeah. I, I assume after North America, which is going to have its own wrinkles, uh, this will be back in another, and maybe it's already been determined. I, 2030. I yeah. North Korea. Sure. Uh, so we'll, we'll get out of here on this, but I thought it was important to bring up Grand Wall because I don't think we'll get a real answer on this. Nope. So it's worth asking questions. It's worth kicking it around. It's, it's worth talking about what may have happened here. And, uh, I think that's going to be a question that hangs around for a long time. Uh, kind of a bummer of a way to end the podcast, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back later in the week, but, uh, for Rob, my name's Matt. We'll get out of here. This is Tall Can Audio 1043. We'll see you next time. See ya. That's it. Not work under these conditions. If anybody wants me, I'll be downstairs at McDougal. Call the weekend guy. I don't care.